was on our going to cover elements of storytelling. Yes, today's a good day to talk about storytelling. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles podcast. Let me tell you like a not particularly interesting story because I mean, I have interesting ones. Let's just one occurred to me and maybe you've heard me say it before as an example of a boring story done well. So when I was in my my mid-20s, I started learning the trumpet. So I played flute most of my life and then I had a band and I picked up a trumpet and was blowing it and I'm like, oh, maybe I could do some horn lines. And so I thought, oh, I'll go and get a teacher. I want to speed this up. And I found this trumpet teacher who was about my age and she was hot. She was really hot. So I found her through a friend of a friend and I would go over to her house and have mad sexual tension, at least that's what I thought. And we would be in her room like practicing and you know she would be teaching me trumpet and she was very good at it. And it's fucking sexy watching a woman's cheeks inflate and like abdomen and you know because you have to look you should be like look at what my belly's doing like i am i'm looking oh yes ma'am she would of course give me homework things to practice and some weeks i did and some weeks i didn't and there was this week i was going i was riding my bicycle to see her and i hadn't done any practice for the whole week and i was talking to myself like thinking of excuses to tell her and like how could i fake it i'm like i can't you can't fake getting better at the trumpet you need to be practicing at least an hour a day to keep your embouchure tight because the moment you don't you lose your fucking perky trumpet lips so i'm just riding along thinking ash fucking excuse and you know i care because she's hot and i'm trying i want to impress her and i know and i've seen that look on her face before where she just gives me a look of like why are you here like you didn't do any practice i'm like ah yeah and i'm riding along thinking about this and then i hit a bump and i stack my bike like i haven't done in years and i flip and fucking stack it and really fucking hurt my hand and i I get up and i'm touching it touching it i'm like oh oh i think it's broken and I felt elated. I was like, yes, thank you, universe. This is my excuse. I broke my fucking thumb. So I texted her on my old school phone. I'm like, hey, this crazy thing happened. I just was riding my bike, fell off. I think I broke my thumb, can't come. And I, I was liberated. Of course, I went into the hospital with the doctor or whatever. And uh, so I'm in, in the waiting room and there's me and then there's a girl with her mother, like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old girl with a mother who's like broken her elbow. And she's there crying and I'm first in line. So I go in, he's like, yeah, fucking broke your thumb. Starts strapping it up, you know, does the cast and then says, oh, doctor says, what color cast do you want? I said, what, aren't they all white? He said, no, no, we got like pink and blue and stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny to get a pink cast? And I said, I'll have pink, right? And so he straps me up and I'm like, this is hilarious. Like I'm a badass masculine man. I've got a pink cast and I got out of my trumpet trumpet class awesome and i walk out feeling quite pleased and they've given me some nice drugs so i'm a little bit high they're standing doing the whatever paperwork and then the doctor goes to the little girl oh hey there do you had a what happened she's like i fell off my something and he's like oh that's all right well we'll fix you up and we'll get you a nice cast what color would you like you would like a pink one wouldn't you she's like yeah pink one and he goes hang on a second he just goes into the office and he comes out awkwardly and he goes yeah we've only got blue left and then the mother and the daughter look over at me and there's me 23 year old man with my pink cast like obviously just taken the last pink one and i'm like ah I'm out of here as the girl is screaming and crying, I wanted a pink one. <laughs> and then I walk out into the, uh, into the street. So there's the story. Now I could totally tell that story like this. Uh, I was riding my bike once and I was a bit stressed out because I didn't practice for my trumpet lesson. Oh, I was learning trumpet and my trumpet teacher, she was like hot. So like I was a bit embarrassed and then I fell off my bike and I broke my thumb. 
And I thought, oh, fuck, that's great. I don't need to go to the, the lesson anymore. And so then I went into the doctor and, like, the doctor said, what colour do you want? He said he had pink or blue. And I said, oh, that'd be funny. I had a pink one. And then I walked out of the, walked out of the office and there was a girl there and she was, like, six, seven or something. She was crying and the doctor said, oh, what colour do you want? And she said pink. And then he said, oh, we ran out of the pink ones. And then... She was crying and I, and I was like, whoops, I got the pink one and then I left. Right, so same story. One, I would say, was the most interesting and fascinating and scintillating story you've ever heard and one was not. <laughs> so tell me why. Like, okay, so what, were, what was the elements that made that? And I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not going to live and die by this story. It's not the greatest story of my life. But okay, so what, what happened in there? All right, so I set, I, set, I set a scene first, like an emotional tension between me and the trumpet player. And the story's not about her, that at all. It's about a little girl who I was an asshole to by stealing her cast. But in order to set that tension up, like I could have, sure, I could have like cut all that section out. I could have said, I could have just started with like, I broke my thumb. The story would have worked fine as well. But okay, so we're, we're creating this tension of like a, sta- a status exchange between me and this hot trumpet player, the internal monologue of what's going on for me, the tension of, because you think the story's going to be about how I resolve things with the trumpet player, but it ends up being this other occurrence happens that then derails the story and that takes it in a new direction. Yes, I'm talking about my feelings in the situation and, uh, and like I'm doing an impression of, well, the trumpet teacher's dis, you know, disapproval and then the, the doctor who's caring and so on and then the child and embodying the child's like emotion as well. So you can have that juxtaposition of like, eh, oh, whoops, uh, okay, so that's kind of cringe and, and kind of funny, you know, and it's like, it's cruel in a way, but it's not the end of the world. Like I didn't, I didn't break her elbow. It's not my fault. It was easy to identify with you, right? Cause like, you know, what's the lesson or whatever? It's just like human stuff. And, and I'm showing myself as, you know, flawed. And that this series of kind of like slightly disastrous events ends in this, in this comic moment. All right, so, and the other one, like I still said the other one with kind of expression, right? When I gave the other impression of it, I didn't just say, oh, I fell off my bike, I broke my thumb. Okay, so I'm still like trying to explain it, but then I'm kind of losing myself because I, I said, oh yeah, and the trumpet player was hot, but so what, right? Like that doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It means something in the first version where I talk about the tension of like, she's hot, so I want to impress her. And I feel like there's central tension between us, but there's probably not, right? So the, the fact that she was an attractive young woman may, was relevant in the uh, story, you know, as opposed to like, same thing as like, I've got a hot lawyer, right? Here. And so the story I would tell about her is like, oh, you know, I had this dodgy as fuck lawyer here. He was great in that he, he could just work in amongst the cracks. He had this little sign on, on his um, desk that says, a good lawyer knows the law, a great lawyer knows the judge. Right? Like, and, you know, that, that tells you all you need to know about that character, right? You're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, better call Saul, Hungarian style. Yeah, but he is dodgy and he charges too much. So my friend hooked me up with this other lawyer and I walked into her office and I was like, nope, I have to leave right now. She's too hot, right? Like I can't relax and tell her about my dodgy business practices when she's sitting there being that hot, right? Like, so in that situation, okay, the, the characteristic of the, of the character, her attractiveness or, or the weirdness of someone or the madness of someone makes sense and it's sewn into, into the story. What else is going on in there? Yeah, there's the, there's the pressure release of that you don't know until the end, well, until close to the end, what the story's about. That's, that's like, you know, the secret of good comedy. Unless the, unless the comedian plans it in such a way that he wants you to know the punchline just before he delivers it, because you're, 
you're in on the joke in advance. Sometimes I'll do that. But a good comedian creates tension, creates dissonance, and then resolves it in a way that you don't expect, which is where you laugh. Like that creates creates the humor. What else is going on? There's there's a clear like there's a clear point. Like I know what my punchline is, and, and that the pun and I have to be aware of how I deliver the punchline because you can fuck up the punchline so bad. I know in that circumstance the punchline is about the you know the girl finding out that she she can't have the pink one. Okay, that's that's the little moment where it's like eh, it's a disaster. I'm like oh fuck it, I'm out of here, and that's the end of the story, right? So you want to be aware of okay, what's the point of your story? Where is it going? Does it have a point? Because many people start just telling a waffling story, which which doesn't really go anywhere and even though something amazing or hilarious may have happened they can't express it properly it, because if you just say oh, and it was hilarious and it was amazing and it was so weird doesn't matter with how much expression or passion you say that the person has to be there mentally in order to you know, understand the hilarity of it right so i have to be able to pull out a joke or give some example that can put the person in the situation i foreshadowed about the girl in the waiting room in the first version yeah, that's right. So I, end, so I added in the character. So I was waiting in line. There was a girl there who had her elbow broken. But I didn't say, oh, and that girl had her elbow broken. So it's just, I'm saying it as if it was just, oh, I was in the thing. There was a person there. There was a person there. But I know that character is about to become very relevant. But I don't want you to know that yet. Right? I want you to know that there was a, girl, a young girl with a broken elbow. But, but, that's, but you're like, that's superfluous to the story. And then you find out that actually that is the point of the story. You know, there's some, like, in terms of, like examples of what makes a good story, setting the scene, putting yourself as, as the primary character and, and evoking something about the way that you felt or what was going on for you. If I'm bringing new characters in, I wanna paint a picture about them quickly by giving them some characteristics. So all you know about the trumpet teacher is she's attractive, she plays trumpet well, and she's a bit of a hard taskmaster and I feel intimidated by her, right? And that's all we need to know about her in the story. There's action where I'm deliberately misleading you, right, by, by talking about how I'm feeling riding the bike and so on, because that's the setup. And you know, you see that in like Simpsons or Rick and Morty or whatever, where the first three, five minutes of the thing is like some wacky adventure, which then creates a segue into what is the main story. And you don't always have to do that, of course, but it's a good storytelling technique. It's like, I thought I give a little pre-strip story, set the people, get them interested, and then you find out that, no, it's actually about something else and it leads them on a, on a journey Right, so it's like a narrative journey through the, through the story. Chekhov's gun, is that the don't pull a gun out on stage unless you're willing to use it? I think that's it, right? Unless, uh, unless it's Money Heist. Money Heist breaks that in every episode. Who, who bothered after season, because they always just do Mexican standoffs, everyone pulls out guns and then says cool Spanish stuff and then no one gets shot. That's where they lost me. They broke the Chekhov's gun rule. Now, if I was doing that live, I'd be checking in with you, right? So I'd be talking to the audience, whether it's one or a group, creating those pauses, making sure I got someone got the person's attention. Sometimes I'll check in with an audience if I'm telling a story. So like, you know, you know how it feels when you just haven't done your fucking homework, right? And then someone says, yeah, it's like, all right, let me tell you about a time when I didn't do my homework. Cool. So I'm, I'm engaging the person, checking them in. And I'm deli again, deliberately misleading you that it's about missing homework when it's actually about something else, but I want your attention before we get there. If there's a gun on the wall in the first act, it must be fired in the second act. These are the rules. Cool, what we can do with this, let's put this as a bonus mission. Sit down and pick out a story and sure, you can choose something that's really interesting, right? Like I, I was, in my head, I was like, shall I tell them the Mongolian bar fight story? I'm like, nah, because that inter sounds interesting to start with. That happened in Mongolia in a bar. And I'm like, cool, that's two, that, that has interesting components already. 
but see if you can like look through your life and these things happen, right? They're, they're not about the, the most amazing adventures, they're about, about human foibles, about misunderstandings, about embarrassing situations. They're about the human experience. Sure, if it happened on a fucking spaceship or in some exotic location or something cool, we, that might be interesting to add color to it. And when I'm telling stories about adventures in exotic countries, I don't rely on it being having happened in India. I'll create a little picture around what, what that experience of India was like. You know, like the time when um, the time when I got kidnapped in India. I, I went traveling in India when I was 18. And by the time I got there, I thought I was a pretty seasoned traveler. Like I'd been through Southeast Asia. I knew how to bargain. I knew uh, about scams. I knew what to eat and not drink so you didn't get the shits every day. Uh, and I get to the, a train station in Jaipur. And I know that when you get out of the trains in India, you don't say yes to the first person that comes and offers you a rickshaw because they're all working for various scammers and mafia and people who are trying to sell you carpets and whatever. So I got out being the you know, 18 year old, well-traveled, don't fuck with me, I know what I'm doing kind of kid. And I walked past everyone. I was like, nope, nope, not interested. And I walked right up to the back of the car park where there was a, a gentleman sitting in his rickshaw being quiet. I went over and I said, excuse me, can you take me to the Pink City guest house? And he said, of course, sir. And we got in, I was like, and I was congratulating myself. I'm like, yeah, I know how to, I know how to do this country. And so he drove me around the corner and then he got out of the rickshaw and he walked away. He just left and I'm sitting there. And then another gentleman with a big moustache, short guy, walks up and he says, allow me to introduce myself, sir. My name is Freedom. I will be your driver today. And he got in the rickshaw. So there's, his, there's the start of the story, right? Do you want to know what happens now? Too bad. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it gives an, it, it evokes imagery. Again, I mean, I could have colored the imagery of the, of the train station more, but, uh, you know, it gives, and it creates the situation of like, okay, I'm, I'm, making a little fun of myself. I'm proud, I know what I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm experienced. And really the story is now setting me up for a fall, right? Because I think, I, did, I think I'm in control of the situation and then suddenly I'm not. Right? So in, in these, these kinds of way where this creates the curiosity hook, sets the scene, and by now, by now the, the audience is interested. A good story, like a lengthy story, should have multiple either punchlines or like moments of levity or moments of like, whoa, rather than necessarily relying on like one big punchline. You know, in amongst that story, which ends with me being robbed and kidnapped, essentially. When I'm telling it, there's interludes where, you know, I meet, I meet a girl who gets involved in a scam and me and her have a little bit of a romance and then I, and then there's danger and then I, and then I make sure that I help them escape, right? So that's, and that's part of the, you know, the tension and then like, oh, what happened to that girl? And I won't go into the whole thing now, but you know, there's, there's multiple points where, the, where it has moments of tension release or moments of surprise. Uh, and then, you know, leading to the, to the final, you know, outro uh, punchline or, or the resolution of the story. It's not necessarily about whether there was a lesson learned. And often, like, I think good stories will say good things about you, maybe. Like, it may, re may represent aspects of you. But if, but if it's too obvious that I'm like, and then I gave all my money to all the poor people. Or, you know, I'm such a great guy as the punchline of a story. Then people can certainly see that as just bragging. But if it's like, I'll take, I'll take the piss out of myself. I'll, I'll build my ego up in the story to then have it shattered. You know, I will embody the cringe and embarrassment of the certain moment so that you can be there with me, like feeling my awkwardness or, or my awesomeness or the thing that I did so well, but I can't believe that I pulled it off, right? Like, so within that, you, you get to go on the emotional journey with me, empathize with me, hopefully. And even if the story's not relatable in the sense you haven't experienced anything like that specifically, the human aspects of it are relatable. 
Because look, I've certainly been around plenty of like, especially like wealthy adventurer types who just want to go, who just go like everything that someone says goes, oh, that reminds me. We were sailing once in the North Atlantic and blah, blah, blah. And just, it's always just like, and I will tell you impressive anecdotes about people I know, rich places I've been, how I'm awesome, exciting things that I do that you don't do. You know, like these kinds of things tend to not, that's not particularly charming and, and one or two or three of those. Like, and I've even, I've even known people who all their stories are good, but it's always there. It's always about them, right? Like it's, it's just that they're, and it's, and some, sometimes those people I'll be like, cool, I'll listen. Yeah. It's like, no, that's a fascinating story. That's another fascinating story, but it's really done as a brag or as a performance. Uh, and that person has no curiosity in me. And so they're, in, they're entertaining possibly, or they're holding court, which is a thing, but it's, it's not actually drawing me closer to the person. It's just making me see them as like a two dimensional kind of like character. And, and, and I like characters. I like people who like, I mean, it's interesting to me. I'm like, wow, that person is so themselves, so oblivious to everyone else around them. So self, self-centered and absorbed, but it is kind of fascinating. So I'll watch it. I'll watch the show. Right, but I but I don't feel like I'm actually connected. As I was saying, like a mission you can do is record a story, video, audio, preferably. Let's I would say not written because that's a different, totally different art form. To be a, a good writer who can evoke a story, sure, like that's that's a great thing too. But we're talking about live communication here. So I want you guys to sit down and plot out, pick your story. It can be interesting, can be boring, you know, technically boring or whatever. Like mine one was. It's not like technically that interesting. The things that happen, but you can see how you can make it interesting. So look at, paint the scene, create whatever characters need to be as succinctly as possible with what only what is needed for them. And sometimes like you have to paint a bigger character picture before we get into the story, right? So I'll tell you about a client of mine and, and, and I need to like give some idiosyncrasies and give some quotes of his to like set the scene of like what kind of guy this is so that then when we get into the action, it may, he's not just a name, it's someone that people have like imagined. That we've got possibly a misdirection like I just did with you where it looks like it's going one direction but it's actually going another direction. So it's not easily predictable well in advance where this, what's gonna happen in the story. Or the people think that they know what's about to happen and then you rip the rug out from underneath them and send them in another direction at the end which is also you know, advanced storytelling, let's say. There's a journey, right? So there's like something happens, we're building it through the narrative you're there with me in terms of my emotions, the other characters' emotions as, as needed. Uh, and then we have a clear sense of like, what is the point of the story? You know, is, is the only point that we were in an interesting place? Like, and, and wow, I can't believe we went to dinner in Mongolia or something. Like, it's like, that's not enough. And people will be, if people apply it, they'll still be like, oh, wow, interesting. But it's not, the, not necessarily the reaction that you're really after, which is to enthrall, to surprise, to show pathos and empathy, to paint yourself in a, in not just in a good light, but in a human light, you know? So from that story, you can tell a few things about me that I'm not scared of showing, right? That, that like, you know, that I have an ego, that I'm, I can be petty, that I'm intimidated by a woman, that I stole something off, you know, that I just fucked with a child and was like, ah, well, see ya. You know, like, okay, it's not, I'm not evil. I'm not, but I'm not a hero in the story. It's just like, okay, I'm human. And they can, then they get to feel human too. What would the difference be between performing and the more connected type of storytelling? Well, I mentioned checking in. <laughs> I'm not going to finish the Indian. Maybe I'll tell the Indian story later. It is like you do need to hold court when you tell the story, right? So it's like I am going, I'm telling a story now. Once I'm committed to the story, I'm going to do it if I don't get interrupted. 
And like, I'm not checking in all the time to, you know, it's that, that obviously could get weird too, right? So if I'm like, oh yeah, I broke the thumb and I go, and it was fucking hurting. I'm like, have you ever broke the, have you ever broken a bone? Tell me how it felt, right? Like that's irrelevant now. I'm now I'm just like pandering to the audience as opposed to just checking in maybe once or twice if necessary. And like, I don't always check in. The check-in is often just the eye contact. It's the person smiling and engaging with me. It's the timing of it. And so, you know, I'm telling a story and then their, their text message bing goes off or something and maybe they look at it. I'm not going to keep rolling. I'm going to, I'm going to pause for a second and, and, you know, allow attention and make sure that I have their, their attention again, or some, something we're doing, we're talking in a bar and then I'm telling a story and then something happens. Someone comes in the barman offers a drink, whatever it breaks the story. Uh, then I need to pick it up again. And, and it won't always, people won't always go, oh, so please do go on. So, uh, you know, the bum comes in and goes, what, you mean I want more drinks or something? Yes, thanks. Anyway, as I was saying, okay, so here we are, there we are in the Congo, right? Malaria, you know, pygmies, back, back in the story. Okay, so the next thing that happened was, or as I was saying, so the, so the pirates has just said, right? So you remember that, cool. And then I go back in. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm reading people's reactions. I'm there with them through the timing of, of the narrative. And so, yeah, I may check in it as I wish to. If I'm holding court and I'm delivering a story and the person's listening and they're enthralled, then, then that is it. You know, it's like, okay, we're engaged together. I don't need to necessarily step out, break the fourth wall constantly to make sure that they're paying attention. It's just like, okay, cool. Do I have your attention or do I need to check in on something or you look a little confused, right? So yeah, what I would like you guys to do as a bonus mission is record a story. So plot it out with those, those aspects, set the scene, the hook, creating characters as need be, building a narrative, leading, having some kind of tension or perhaps misdirection or confusion, and then knowing when and how you're going to drop the mic, right? Like how you're going to do your, your, your uh, punchline. Because if you, and especially if you haven't really practiced it, you may think that it's just funny inherently, but it's not. It's only the timing that makes it funny or it's the fact that the person didn't know until the last second what you're about to say, and then it becomes funny. Or it becomes funny because they realize just as you're about to say the thing and they go, oh no, he's not going to. I'm like, and that's, yeah, you got it. Just at the last second is also good. And look, honestly, I have, I mean, I don't know how many, but I have dozens and dozens of stories that, I had an event and then I thought about the event afterwards and I went, that's a good story. There's an anecdote there. And then I told it, usually it's because I'm telling one of my close friends straight away. I'm like, oh, dude, listen to what happened. And I enjoy entertaining Gareth or Liam or whatever because we, we, we get off on like having the stories from each other, not just going, hey, so this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah, it's like, all right, let's, let's be evocative. Let's create the scene. Even if we're really good friends and we could just get through the details, the point is like we want to entertain each other with the story. So I've said many of these stories dozens of times and, and I have short versions of them, longer versions of them, ones with all the details, ones where we just get to like one scene within it. And then, you know, that's part of my charm kit, right? It's like the, I see life as narrative and story and I see all of these story elements, hero's journey aspects, the fool, the confusion, the tension, the pride of the antagonist the getting broken down and like, all, all that stuff I'm interested in and I see that in life. And so I think of it in story terms. So it's, it's, it becomes a practice, something that absolutely you become good at. I come from a long line of storytellers. Like my grandfather was a great yarn teller, right? He, he would, yeah, you know, he started a story once. He's like, in Hill End. And Hill End was a town of like 100 people. It's like in Hill End in the 50s, there was 
one hooker. Her name was Joni Barefoot, and she had more more pricks in her than a secondhand dartboard. I'm like, Grandpa, Grandpa. That's now that's the start of a story, right? And, and he's like, and she had hatchet men. Right? That, that's where he started. Like, there's a it's a it's an old gold mining town with 100 people. There's one hooker, Joni Barefoot. You're like already Joni Barefoot, more pricks in her than a secondhand dartboard, and she had a hatchet man. Like, I'm in. Whatever, wherever this story's going, I want to know. I can't even remember what the rest of the story was. But yeah, like, you know, I come from a line of, of men who, who like that, that art of, of speaking and, and entertaining and, and enthralling and creating characters and, and going back in time and bringing them, those moments to life. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a skill set. It's a, it's a performance, improvisational, delivery type of skill, and it's a great one to develop. And it's one of the things that, like, you know, if you're going about living a kick-ass, interesting, poignant, pathos-filled life, you'll collect them. And like it's, I, just by, by me going about my life, stories happen. I think of them in narrative terms and I often record them to myself as well, just for my journaling. Like, you know, sometimes I, I tell myself a, a journal story, which is this happened, this happened, there was that, it was this much, we went there, because I know I can fill in the blanks. But, but most of the time when I'm recording those, I tell them to myself like I was telling it, I'm telling it to my future self, let's say, and I'm telling it in narrative form, assuming that I'm gonna forget it, because I often do, because too much shit happens. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural, Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The, the Natural, Natural TV. TV. See you on the next episode.